Hello and welcome back to Humans of Van Life. I'm sitting here with my friend Lynn and we are absolutely scorched. My face is as red as a prune, or tomato. I mean a tomato. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we are both sweating. <laughs> it would be purple. That would be really bad. <laughs> too hot. That'd be terrible. But yeah, it's not too bad now with the door open. Oh, thank God. So I finally got the chance to sit down with Lynn um, before we are heading out of Basalt and heading to Buena Vista. So I'm glad I caught you mm -hmm. on the side of the road here. <laughs> this awkward side of the road. <laughs> we literally just pulled off down this like random <laughs> ranch road. Yes. And now sprinklers are starting. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> the hot box. This begins. is perfect. Okay. And like the truth is though is this is exactly like this is it. Like no, we're not in a studio in LA. <laughs> Air conditioned. We're in my '84 Westphalia on the side of the street. A lot of windows. It gets so hot in here. I like blocked off all my windows so it doesn't get as hot because it's like freaking greenhouse. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why don't you tell us about what van you're living in and how long you've been doing it for? Uh, nice segue. I'm in a 2004 Ford camper van. Well, it's like a wheelchair lift van. Turned it into a camper van. Uh, yeah. I got like new tires for it, new brakes. That's about it. It's my baby. How long have you had it for? Mm, I think almost two years. Mm -hmm. I got it not this recent December, but the last December. So yeah, like a year and a half. And you've been living in it full time since you got it. Yeah. So I started living, well, I started living in a van three years ago and I had a van for nine months. It rusted out in Texas. I had to throw all my shit into a U-Haul and then drive up to Illinois from Texas, get in a Toyota Yaris from high school, lived in a Toyota Yaris for nine months, which mm -hmm. was interesting. Um, and then saved up, bought the van I have now, and yeah, so I've been in that for a year and a half. A Toyota Yaris. Yeah, right. yeah it's like, like a, a like smart a, car. I was gonna say, it's like not a, tiny... a smart car, but yeah, it's like a smart car with a hatchback. But you can like lay the seats in the back, so I like laid a sleeping bag, a comforter, wicker box with a stove, food, a garbage bag full of clothes, art supplies, and a backpacking backpack in the front with my laptop and camera. And how long yeah. did you do that for? Like nine months. That's yeah. insane. It was great. I slept with a uh, blackout curtain over me while I was sleeping in, like, cities, so it looked like I was just storage. Oh my <laughs> gosh, you would. So what made you get into this kind of, this whole lifestyle to start off with? Um, gosh, that's a heavy, long question. Mm, is it? Um, so... Well, were you living in a home before you yeah, got there? Yeah, so I was living in a lot of apartments in Columbia, Missouri. I went to school for graphic design barely made it through college like emotionally and physically um and yeah when I like was close to being done with my degree I knew that I didn't want to do like the nine to five graphic design job mainly because I wasn't really into graphic design I was just trying to like get a degree and do the adult real life thing um so uh yeah towards the end I was just not in a good place really depressed not happy with anything, struggling with a bunch of stuff, um, not inspired by anything, waking up mm -hmm. in an apartment in a town, like, yeah, just bartending, working a cafeteria job, doing all the ins and outs and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I was like, I want to do something a little mm -hmm. unorthodox and weird when I really liked traveling and I would live in my Yaris for like weeks at a time in college and I really loved it. I would like go festival hopping and stuff, go to, like one festival leave all my stuff in my Yaris for the whole week while I was in class and then hop back in it for the weekend and this, this, and that. So I knew that I could live in a small space while traveling. Um, so yeah, I decided to save up for a van six months after graduating, saved up money, bought the first van and 
yeah, just hit the road mm. with a few thousand bucks in my bank account and started selling art on the road and mm. yeah, went from there. So now you make a full-time income through your art mm-hmm. and also side jobs. Like I remember you said you did a bit of banquet serving and yeah. Yeah. So the, I've been selling art. Well, I've been doing art and like photography and all this stuff since I was 16. Um, but selling arts and prints and paintings and stuff, I started doing when I was 19, when I first, again, started going to music festivals. Mm. So I'd go to music festival with two prints of like, you know, Walker's 2015, and it would be like two different types of it, two different prints you could choose from. I'd bring 10 of each. That was it. I would make my money back for the ticket and I was happy. So I was like going to festivals for free. Then I started trying to, you know, make more prints so I could, like, kind of make money on top of my festival ticket. And then after two years, people started asking for, like, original art that wasn't related to the festival, which I thought was really cool. They were like, I mean, we love the festival print, but where's, like, your personal stuff? Like, we'd love to see more. So, yeah, I was like, okay, I guess I'll start, like, bringing my portfolio. So I started walking around with a small portfolio and made triple what I was making the other festivals where I would just bring like two prints and then now I bring like three portfolios and stickers and pins and Mm. clothes and all of it and over the last like nine six seven years yeah I've like make a lot um a lot compared to that first year so I realized that after doing that for a while that yeah I could uh, make a living while traveling around and selling art which is so epic like I feel like that's like your stereotypical thing that people think you cannot do mm-hmm. like it's like you know the taboo about being an artist mm-hmm. and then just traveling around following your heart everybody's like fuck that yeah there's no way you can make a living there's no way you can survive mm-hmm. and it's so neat to see like living yeah. proof of that yeah and not just living proof stoked on doing it mm-hmm. like you show up as like a super empowered artistic woman mm-hmm. it's like rad to see that oh shucks oh, <laughs> <laughs> and i was curious have you always been artistic like have you always felt that within you mm-hmm. yeah definitely okay. like since i was a little kid my mom got us into like painting and ceramics mm-hmm. scrapbooking like kind of all that like minimal artsy things mm-hmm. went to art camp and yeah I was very supported by my family of my love for mm-hmm. illustrating drawing I'd always wanted to be like a children's book illustrator when I was a kid and then I wanted to own my own ceramic business and make ceramics for kids like weird creatures and stuff mm-hmm. and then I started my own knitting business when I was in fifth grade um, I started knitting scarves. My mom would buy the yarn. I would knit it for someone and calculated the profit between how much I would make per hour slash give my mom back the $5 for the yarn ball at the end. So like every week she would buy the yarn, give me a quote for how much it was. And then I would have to make this amount of sales to like make up for my profit and the cost margin, and all that stuff. And mm. then I started selling them to like the principal and the secretary of the school and so I'd charge them more because they were adults, so the scarves were twice as long, so I had to use twice the amount of yarn. It was great. I had business cards. People were, like, calling my mom's house, being like, is Carolyn around? We want to mm-hmm. order a scarf. So, yeah, I did that when I was, like, 11. Mm. And then when I turned 16, I started my own photography business, mm. and I did over 160 photo shoots in two years. Holy like, weddings, shit. bands, families, senior photos, uh, companies, like design work, calendars, all that kind of stuff. So you're a natural entrepreneur. Yeah, I love it. Wow. Do you ever have the doubt that you're not going to be able to pursue your art? Um, Like, does that feeling ever come up for you? 
Yeah, I definitely go through, like, highs and lows of feeling like, yeah, I'm doing kick-ass. I made a lot this month or this mm-hmm. year. And, like, like last year, I felt really, really good and just saw so much promise in the future. And then the last six months, I have – it's the opposite. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like quitting and just didn't – I was like, why am I doing this? And, like, mm-hmm. having false hope in myself. Um, so, yeah, I definitely go back and forth and – Really, like you were, were saying earlier about the side jobs, like I picked up some side jobs to alleviate the stress off making money just off art because mm. it was getting really stressful if I made 20 bucks in a month and the next month I was like, am I going to make $20 again or am I going to make 1000 Like what? I have no idea. It just mm-hmm. depends on what people want. So I picked up banquet serving and gardening and I, st- I really stopped creating for, like, two months and just worked, like, two or three other jobs. Mm. And that was really good because then I missed creating all over again. I have money that I don't have to now rely on art for the next few months. And I can mm. just create, get my passion projects in and mm. not care about that. And that, yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah, I love that. I hear that a lot because, especially here with people in this lifestyle, um, when they this lifestyle often frees them up mm-hmm. to follow their passions mm-hmm. because you're not strapped nine to find just nine to five, just trying to make it by. You have all this extra time to work on your passion mm-hmm. and build these parts of you up. Yeah. So that's what I'm hearing in you is slightly different, but same thing, right? If you're yeah. solely relying on your passion just to get by, mm-hmm. then it doesn't so much feel like a passion. It feels like a chore. And, yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of like tenseness around it. And then mm-hmm. your creative like flow kind of is inhibited as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be like kind of crippling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's why I tell a lot of people who I meet on the road who are like aspiring to just do art, specifically like painting, drawing, art kind of art, even music, I think goes into it as well. Where they're like, the only, the kind of, again, what you were saying, where you can't be successful as an artist, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And they think success as an artist is only doing art for a living um, and nothing else. And if you're, like, if you have a side job, then you're, you're not successful. Like, that's mm-hmm. not success. So, yeah, I try and tell people that I meet, like, that's not true. Um, that you can, yeah, you can make mean money somewhere else. And that doesn't mean you're not a failure. This is so interesting because, like, talk about a change of perspective, mm-hmm. but not only that, that's right, I'm laughing because do you hear the dog yeah. in the background? <laughs> <I do. And laughs> that the, is amazing. The, yeah, kids yelling, dogs in the background, we're definitely the on sprinklers. a ranch. <laughs> uh, I'll just take a... Oh, oh no, they lost their dog. Oh, great. Hello, people on Fucking this podcast. Fucking who let the dog lost their dog. We can always edit all this out. Keep it in. I can't keep it in. This this often happens. Yeah, that lady looks very angry. She does. There is like five vans parked here. Anyway, what I wanted to say is, um, well, that's a bloody good question, Nikki. Oh, yes. No, I don't know what I'm saying. What were we talking about? Uh, The hearing a different perspective about uh, not having to do just art on the road. Okay. With anything, any passion, like balancing that. Not only that, success. Mm-hmm. The word success oh, yeah, yeah. is so interesting how that just like very easily f- flowed out of your out of your mouth as mm-hmm. success equals money, pretty much, mm-hmm. because that's the way society views it. Yeah. And so I told. love this aspect that <laughs> I love this aspect <laughs> that <laughs> it's like a fourth thumb that just came in. This is, I feel like this would happen to your podcast. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. 
Um, I can't be serious for too long, but go on. I the success, the way I talk about it, we got this. Yeah, it's just cool because I'm starting to redefine what success actually means. Mm-hmm. Whereas I used to view it as a very linear way, such as how much you're producing or how much you're making or what you're achieving. And now I see it very differently. Mm-hmm. And so it's really beautiful for you to share like that aspect. Like just because you're not making a full time wage on your passions doesn't mean that you're not successful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The money is success is a huge lie we've been told. And, and then like the cliche thing, like happiness is mm-hmm. success or like doing what you love is success. And that, yeah, I fully agree with that. And, but obviously you do need money to survive yeah. and like, it's going to be, make you happy to eat food and put gas in your van and keep going places. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think, in ground, especially with the artist thing. It's, you don't, you have such pressure to like not be a failure mm-hmm. in following your passion and even like everything, movies, podcasting, like all of these passions that we're doing, you are so scared every day of being a failure about it because you're going out on a limb. And I think that that fear needs to be taken back because it's like, if you're taking a step towards doing that passion, fuck yeah. Like, are you kidding me? That's mm-hmm. huge. Like, if you want to draw, draw. Like, you don't have to sell it. Just draw. Draw every day. Paint every day. Videotape every day. Play music every day. Mm-hmm. Don't do it for anyone else but you. And then, like, the success in money will follow if, you know, if that's what you want to pursue. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Don't stress. Also, <laughs> in the back of my mind, I cannot help but think about success is my only motherfucking option. Failure's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was, like, playing in my head. I love Evan. Like, on like this. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking. Um, I'm just going to, like, dive right in because I've been wanting to kind of, like, have a dialogue with you about this Mm -hmm. and haven't had the chance before. Okay. Um, So I know that at the Van Life Diaries meetup, you led a mental health talk. Yeah. And I didn't make it because I was so... um, You did the breath work. I did the breath work. Yeah, Yeah, I did the full breath work. That's all you have to say. (laughs) Yeah, so I did this breath workshop. And, um, yeah, was reflecting after that. Mm -hmm. But I was really curious on what enabled you or what led you to be leading a mental health talk at a van meetup. Yeah, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, how it, like, came about originally was talking to Kathleen over a beer. Um, She was talking about wanting me to be a part of the, uh, like, you know, the team and, like, add something to the gathering, whether it was painting or this or that. And I suggested that there would be a mental health talk because I felt that is something that people need living in their vans or not living in your van, living in a house, whoever. Everyone needs to have that support system. And I think on social media, you see a lot of people opening that question up and opening, you know, like this discussion about um, sadness or breakups, loneliness, you know, that. But there's one thing about doing it over the Internet and another doing it in person. So, yeah, I asked her if I could lead it, and then my segue into my mental health um, creature card deck that I was drawing would be, like, a good way to, like, introduce it as well, Um, which is, for those who don't know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, like, a tarot card style, but they are not tarot cards. Mm. It's choose your own card, and each card has a negative and a positive emotion on it, so the top of one would be depression, and there's an illustration of, like, a slug crawling in a circle, And then the flip side is in color, and it's of growth. So it's the same slug, but the slug has flowers and plants. And, you know, it's like growth is 
It's not like a one step, like one word to like fix the problem. Like you're not going to fix depression with one thing. It's more so a way when you're in this dark feeling to look at something bright and remember that there is positive and negative, there's light to dark, and this is kind of like the reflection side of it. Mm. Um, so there's trauma and then the opposite of trauma would be release. So mm. like to feel, you know, if you have trauma, that opposite feeling is release. Um, anxiety. And then the other opposite of anxiety is reflect. So if you're mm. having a lot of anxiety, like personally, I have a lot of anxiety just over nothing. I'll just be driving down the street and I'm like, I need to get there really fast or like this, this and that. And I'm like, but I'm going nowhere. I literally have nowhere to go, but I'm like going fast and anxious about it. And so to reflect is to reflect, why am I anxious? Is there a reason? If there isn't, then calm the fuck down. Mm. And then if there is, like, reflect on why it's that big. Why is it affecting you in this minute? Is that anxiousness really helping you get to the next step? This, this, and that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not like a one step fixes everything, but more so like a brain training exercise to kind of, like, see that there is, like, some reflection. Mm, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I talked about that mm -hmm. starting the mental health talk. And, yeah, I don't know. I think I just feel really connected to, like, I come off, especially, like, on Instagram and social media where I have, you know, these people following me and messaging me saying I'm inspirational and, like, you know, I just seem so happy and doing what I'm doing and following my passion, all this, you know, positive, positive. And I want to make sure people know, like, I am positive because I've been in, I'm, you know, the darkest, the lightest people have been in the darkest spots. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, like, it's still foreign to me to be as happy as I am because I've literally out of 26 years of living I've had like two years of complete you know like full happiness and that's from living in a van wow. and a bunch of other things but like most of my life I've been depressed anxious mm. like eating disorders trauma PTSD so it's that's all I really knew and mm. coming out of it and working really 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 hard every day on mental health has brought me to, like, where I am, and I still struggle with it, but I think it is a good, like, I love, I love helping people, mm -hmm. and I really, a lot of what helped me get out of some things was thinking, like, I can be a tool for other people who've gone through what I've gone through, mm -hmm. and they can, um, you know, learn from, we can learn from each other, and mm -hmm. if I had a role model, let's say, or just someone I saw who had gone through exactly what I had gone through, or something extremely similar, and then saw where they were in life and they were doing well because they did this, this, and that, I think it would have been, you know, really good to see and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of have that support of, like, wow, there's hope outside this hole where you literally feel like there's mm -hmm. nothing. Like, I'm very, very surprised I made it through age 12, age 18, age mm -hmm. 20, age 23, 24. Like, mm -hmm. every year was a struggle. So, yeah, very connected mm -hmm. to sharing that story and, like, making sure people know that, there is light, even if it's just for a day, you know, mm. it might not be light every day, but it's there. It's there. Yeah. yeah. So what is it that, what is it that living in a van over the last two years? Three, has, three years. Sorry, First year was still rough. <laughs> yeah. So at least over the last two years, what do you think has helped facilitate you in finding this like contentment inside or, or happiness? Um, well, I guess we'd have to, like, go down to my, like, personal things that I was dealing with. So, right. like, the long list of things. Yeah. Um, so I was, like, really depressed, didn't want to get out of bed. I would, I think the longest stint of literally not physically leaving bed was 12 days. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I lost, like, 30 pounds in two years. Uh, I wasn't eating, like, had no appetite. 
had mm-hmm. a lot of yeah body dysmorphia and disassociation. Um, I was always I could feel content and but really numb. You know, really didn't feel happy. I really didn't feel sad. Just you know, just cut everything off. Um, I had a lot of trauma with men happen in my life, Mm -hmm. um, which led to some PTSD where I was on flight or flight mode all the time, Mm -hmm. where I was like constantly like moving, fainting, heaving, throwing up, gagging, just like my body was just constantly reacting as if something was attacking me. Mm -hmm. Like literally every morning, every night, my body was just like on the fritz. Um, so yeah, I was just like, I, I can't be doing everything, what I'm doing right now. I've been doing this. I'm in the same town where all this, these things have happened to me and I'm around these people and I just need to go. I need to be by myself. I need to do what I love, what makes me happy, which I think is really one good step to do when you're extremely depressed and don't want to get out of bed. Mm. Find what makes you happy. Music. Turn on some damn music. What makes you happy? Writing. Then fucking write. Mm-hmm. What makes you happy? Dancing. Do a dance party. Like, and if you don't want to get out of bed, dance in your bed. Mm-hmm. Like, you can move. And so traveling and seeing new places and hiking and, like, changing scenery is what has always made me happy. Um, so, yeah, I was, like, in, in art, of course. So when I started living in the van originally, um, it took a few weeks before mm-hmm. I, med- like, already felt... Like, I was doing more physical activity, which helps endorphins. I was outside hiking, I was uh, swimming, I was rafting, um, meeting new people, painting, seeing new places, feeling inspired. Uh, my family was really concerned about, like, my uh, physical health above, like, my eating. Mm-hmm. So since I was losing so much weight and was really underweight, they were nervous that I, you know, like, oh, on the road it's going to be harder to eat, and, like, mm-hmm. is this going to be bad, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it actually, like, um, it was the best thing I could have done. I started cooking and eating when I wanted to eat. I mm. My appetite came back. I got really creative with food. Mm. I was snacking all the time because I was doing these physical activities. And in turn, I gained, like, 15 pounds in, like, a year, which is insane. Like, it's never huge. thought that would ever happen. I ate a lot more healthier when I was living in the van and surprised myself and just kept rolling with it, didn't question it. I was like, okay, this is working for me. Um, and when I was asked, like, how long are you going to be, how long is your trip? How long are you going to be doing this for, et cetera? Where are you, do, have you found where you're going to live yet? And every time I was just like, I have no idea. I'm just doing this until I don't want to do it. It's working for me right now, making me happy. And that was my goal. So why stop? Um, until I find, until I don't feel good and want to try something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so amazing. As you were talking, I was thinking that. I'm actually thinking about a lot of things, so I want to share this with you so I don't forget. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I worked on pediatrics as a like as a nurse, mm-hmm. and I can't help but think how helpful your cards would be there. Yeah, Aww. which maybe we could do something cool. Like I would like genuinely, it'd be rad yeah. if we could like print a lot of those. Mm-hmm. And I would be super happy to like distribute them and get somebody to buy them because I feel like just like as a nurse trying to uh, like we have to do assessments each day, but like mm-hmm. okay. Pick a card that yeah. pick a card that resonates with you, and yeah. let's talk there. Exactly. Starting there, opposed to being like this big abstract thing. How are you feeling today? Yeah. So I wanted to share that, and also I want to share. It's so cool to see how this lifestyle has supported you in thriving, mm-hmm. and what it what it makes me think of is realistically, mm-hmm. like I, I'm gonna go ahead and say this: Who the fuck doesn't feel trapped and shitty in 
the city mm-hmm. with all those obligations mm-hmm. and the pressure Job, and the ex- yeah the, the expectation rent. totally yeah. and like whether people are hearing this and they're getting defensive because a either they know it themselves but they're too afraid to admit it mm-hmm. or try something new or they just don't know it yet i would probably say in my experience that's true mm-hmm. like there's so many mental health disorders that stem from that that pressure you know the social constructs that we're supposed to live out and all this mm-hmm. and so so need to like have a conversation with you and to see the difference yeah like you did that and mm-hmm. that's where you were mm-hmm. and now you're doing this and this is where you are yeah like your family must be so proud of you and like it must be so nice to see you thriving yeah yeah that's another thing is people ask about like parents opinions which i think is really it's amazing how much that can affect like what you're doing. Mm. Um, and yeah, my dad was really supportive. He was like, fuck yeah, like go mm. out, do something crazy. I support you. If something really, really bad happens, like I'm here, you know, to support you, but like you, you just need to try it. Like you're in your twenties. Like why mm-hmm. not? Um, my mom was terrified. <laughs> she called me every single day to see where I was camping. I was remember mm. driving from Missouri through Kansas and I was just gonna stop at some random campsite along the way really had no idea and she called me to ask where are you like where are you staying tonight give me the GPS location and I was like I don't know like I'm doing I'm not gonna be able to tell you every single night where I'm staying it's gonna be different every night it might be the same I have no clue that is the point why I'm doing this is to not no have zero structure and it just feels so good and so for like two months she called me every single day and Mm. i had to tell her where i was which is just a mom caring um which is great Mm. but yeah after a few months she realized like okay she knows what she's doing i'm smart i can travel you know by myself and be safe and kind of all those original fears of your mom being worried about a single female traveling Mm. um kind of went away a little bit she's still a little nervous but and has that actually been the case though? So that was about, that was two months in, but like now two or three years really. Mm-hmm. How has your experience been as a woman on the road? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the first year um, was good. I like well, all these have been good, but I've definitely built up stories over the last three years, little here and there's. Um, there's a few things that I've done that were definitely, like, if anything happened to me, it was my fault. Like, for mm. example, uh, meeting someone through Instagram and messaging them, like, five times, got their phone number, met them in the middle of the desert in Nevada with no cell service for three days. Mm. And I texted two of my friends saying, hey, so I'm going to this campsite in the desert. If I don't call you on Monday, you should probably tell someone to come find me in the desert. It was kind of my, like, laughing thing but it was legit like I really don't know who this person is but mm-hmm. seems cool you know he's kind of cute like you know meet him in the desert whatever ended up being okay um but yeah like that could have been really bad mm-hmm. um and then honestly in the last year since like I've man I don't know I've like San Diego California is one of my favorite places mm-hmm. to go but that is where I get a lot of negative weird male attention mm-hmm. um like and it's normally older men Um, Mm -hmm. no offense to older men, but like Mm -hmm. men in their like late sixties hitting on me, like extremely, extremely to where like I feel uncomfortable and I have to leave the area Mm -hmm. that happened like three times in San Diego in like two weeks where I just had these men like trying to get, like get in my van to talk to me and like invading my personal space, walking past my van multiple times while I was making food. And I would just keep Mm -hmm. saying like, I'm sorry, I'm busy. I'm doing this or like I'm going to the post office, whatever. And they would just keep coming back, keep like Mm -hmm. trying to talk to me talking about weird things 
One of them messaged me on Instagram a really, really long, really creepy message um, telling me to break up with my boyfriend and to, like, run away with him and some other things. And, like, when he hugged me goodbye, we talked for, like, 20 minutes. He hugged me goodbye and was, like, crying that I was leaving and then messaged me the same day that I left saying, like, it's been days since you've been gone and, like, I'm still thinking about you and, like, please, like, come away with me. I was like, uh, you know where I live, what my van looks like, and that I'm by myself. So, Mm. yeah, I uh, ended up blocking him on the gram. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and then there's just, like, parking lots, gas stations. I just have a lot of older men coming up and kind of, like, learning too much about me too quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm really bad at lying and just saying, oh, my boyfriend's in the van. If I'm by myself, I'm like, I'm by myself, and this is my home, and this is what it looks like. I'm breaking here for the night. Like, it's really stupid. So I can definitely, like, have my moments where I look back. I'm like, oh, my God, I probably could have been murdered. Mm. Um, But I've been lucky, and they're all just harmless old men, I think, who are just lonely, and Mm -hmm. that's okay, but still creepy. Do you think women should be scared to do this lifestyle alone? Um, I don't, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, there's definitely, like, things you def- probably do differently than guys on the road that are by themselves. Like, I don't go to gas stations at night. Mm. Um, if I drive through a small town, I feel out the vibes. If, if, if I, like, I judge it by who's walking around and the houses and what, you know, things look like. And if it feels wrong, I don't stop. I just go to the next one. Mm. Um... If I'm at a campsite or, like, Walmart parking lot, um, I make sure that if I'm getting out of my van, I am, like, make, I see who's looking at me getting back in my van. Mm. So, like, I'm always aware of, yeah, like, is this older man over here? Is this weird person over there watching just me get in and out of my van if I'm staying there for the night? So they're all very subconscious things, but I'm just, I have learned to like, I'm always looking at that kind of stuff. Even at a campsite, like I notice everyone around me, if it's a group of people, if if they're my age, what they look like, what they, what, you know, everything. Yeah. Just assessing everything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if it feels wrong, I will move and, or I just won't get out of my van so that they don't know who's in there. So do you find that's quite like a, a female experience or do you think that men have to have the same concerns as us. Mm, I mean, I can't speak for men, mm-hmm. so they might have it, but I highly doubt it. Mm-hmm. Like, when I've talked to my boyfriend about even things that I do, like walking down the street, where, like, I have just been conditioned to look over my shoulder every few seconds to make mm-hmm. sure someone's not following me. I'll literally do that any town or city I go in. Mm-hmm. If I hear footsteps, I look behind my shoulder and see who's following me to make sure it's not someone mm-hmm. who's, like, chasing or going to attack me. And I highly doubt mm-hmm. that men are walking around looking over their shoulders to see if some man or woman is chasing them with a knife. Like, And so where do you think that comes from? Like, is that a little bit from your past? Or is that in general, like, women yeah. as a society marinated in um, this? I think, well, I've never been, like, mugged or anything on the street. So I think it's, like, mainly, I guess I've been, like, catcalled and, um, you know, followed slightly. Never, like, anything, like, physically attacked on the sidewalk or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think more of a woman thing. Yeah. No, I feel like this is like a history class. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Is it's it B or C? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think it, it can be like from personal experience, but um, mm-hmm. I, like most women I talk to, we all could normally have that same feeling. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's the same for you. Um, mm-hmm. Or like if you grew up in a big city. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I grew up in kind of like the suburbs of a really big city in Illinois um, and then outside St. Louis and and then in kind of a big ta- big town, I like to call it. Um, and then, yeah, just spend a lot of time in, like, California mm-hmm. cities and stuff, and 
I'm just very aware of things that can happen. Yeah. No, I think where you grow up has a lot to do. Yeah. Like, I grew oh, up yeah. on a tiny hippie island. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So you feel comfortable and you're, yeah. Which is, like, Which has is its pros and cons, though, right? Yeah. Because, like, yeah. perhaps I'm more naive than others mm-hmm. or... Anywho, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a tricky situation, like, discussion to have because I find that, like, we're cautious of what we say. Mm-hmm. This has been my experience with women. Like, mm-hmm. we're cautious and also men are cautious of what they say, but, like, the actual truth is... In my experience, and every woman I've talked to, we do have this, like, kind of embedded fear. Mm-hmm. And, um, it fucking sucks. Yeah, it does. It sucks. Yeah. But you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Time. yeah I yeah. think, like, a lot of, like, how you're saying, like, was it my experience? Like, a lot of my, like, traumas that I've talked mm-hmm. about and stuff, those have been more, like, sadly, like, um, you know, like, sexual assaults and rapes and these things that are by, like, people you know or people yeah. close to you, which is, uh way more common it's like way more common you're going to be hurt mm-hmm. by someone you know and someone close to you family friends mm-hmm. um than a stranger on the street mm-hmm. so that's why i don't know if those are connected um but yeah. yeah definitely that like fight or flight like i'm very cautious of mm-hmm. any situation and like i think that's why i get anxious in like crowds or at parties mm-hmm. and like where i'm sleeping and who i'm around mm-hmm. and that's definitely from personal mm-hmm. um trauma and experience but i think the street thing is yeah it's kind of like an embedded thing or like talked about thing like mm-hmm. I know uh, where I went to school we had the statistic um, what was it It was like two in every five or three in every five women in the college town that I went at had been sexually assaulted on the sidewalk like boob grabbed vagina mm-hmm. grabbed like something um, and so I remember like in that town I remember like we all we would always walk in groups like that whole thing you'd walk in groups if it was, like, 2 a.m. or something, like, you would find streets that had lights and, like, all of this stuff wow. we're constantly thinking about. Um, and that that was pretty specific to that town, only because, mm-hmm. like, that... And, that, again, it's just a statistic, and honestly, it's probably 5 out of 5, like, mm-hmm. or 4.8 out of 5, like, mm-hmm. so much higher because people don't report things. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned the word um, community and groups and feeling safe and stuff, and... I'm wondering what your experience has been with, um, with the van life community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's um, it been like for you? And I, and I know that like you are quite a predominant member. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, that's <laughs> oh, how I view you. Social butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, if, maybe you could just speak a little bit about the community yeah. that you've experienced here. And um, I think it's cool because like, so when I started living in a van, I, there was like two people who I followed on Instagram that were like living the van life. Um, who was and that? Uh, it was, it might've been Van Life Diaries, and then, I don't remember his screen name, but some girl, I don't know, who had, like, um, products and stuff that she would, like, get sponsored by, so it was, like, the first time I saw sponsored, Mm. um, things. Actually, funny story, if we're gonna get real about that. Yeah. Girl who dated my now boyfriend. Oh, her! Yeah, so I was following her, um, yeah, I was following her and, uh, saw, like, the whole sponsorship thing, because I'd never seen that before. So, um, when I started living in the van, um, I was like, oh, cool, like, you can, like, live off of, like, being paid by companies, blah, blah, blah. So it was kind of like, that was, like, the first time I had been open to that before living in the van. But ideas of, like, how vans are built and, like, how, you know, all these, like, like, van tours and stuff, like, that didn't exist. Like, when I Googled van, like, living in a van, it was, like, some, like, trash bags and, like, really, you know, like, you know, not good, just, like... Not, yeah, it wasn't anything as creative as it is now. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, had a plastic dresser, a bed in the back. It was mm-hmm. great. I loved yeah. it. I had 
like, you know, the storage use, made use of it, and was like, cool, there's not that many people doing this, but I want to do it. Why not did it? Um, and, yeah, I, like, met people. Well, the people I met on the road weren't living in vans. They were just people in the area. Um, people, like, yeah, living living in that town, and I met them, or maybe they went on, like, a weekend trip or something, and I mm -hmm. met them. And then I went to my first van gathering, RTR, mm. in Quartzsite, Arizona. Everybody's been to RTR. I know. So I went before everyone now at, from these van life gatherings yeah. just, like, went this last year. And when I went, there was this one guy named Brandon who I met through Instagram. Like and, Brandon? No, no, no. Okay. Different yeah. Brandon. Yeah. Um, so I met him through Instagram. Um, he's, like, I think he's in his 40s. He's a psychic. So he would, like, do psychic consultations on the phone. So we're in the desert of Arizona, and he's doing, like, psychic consultations on the phone. And then everyone else was in their 50s, 60s, and they're all, like, retired, living in RVs. And so it was me and all these people above the age of 40, 50. And, yeah, I stay, like, I keep in touch with all of them on Facebook. Um, it was great. I stayed there for two weeks and went to all the local bars, sang karaoke with everyone, and, like, they thought I was probably, like, 10 years old. Because literally everyone was, like, 16 to 70 years old. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I stayed at the actual RTR for, like, two days and was like, this isn't for me. Like, I didn't, you know, connect with anyone, and it was cool and everything, but definitely just, um, yeah, I felt a little out, uh, out there. So, yeah, I don't think I, I think the first, then after that, so that was in January of 2017, mm -hmm. so, like, four months into living on the road, um, and then, yeah, I just kept traveling and stuff, and still, like, I don't, oh, no, I do remember meeting, yeah, it was, like, here and there, I met a couple named Emily and Jason mm -hmm. in the desert for my birthday, they lived in their van, I met two guys who, brothers, who lived in a van, and they let me paint the top of the van, mm -hmm. Um, and they are now biking across country that on like pedal bikes from, uh, they left Huntington beach and are biking to New York. Yeah. And they stopped and saw me in Carbondale last week or like two weeks ago. It was yeah. really great. But yeah. So I met them two years ago, um, painted their van and then the van kooks, Danny mm. and Kevin, I met yeah. them also like all through social media. Um, yeah. So there was like this community, but it was only one or two people at a time. Mm. I was never hanging out in like groups of people in vans until the Colorado Van Life Gathering of two years year. ago. Yeah, not last year, but the year before. And that's where I met Jared, Ash, um, Sam, uh, Kevin, uh, yeah, everybody who, Jim, who did the documentary. Um, so yeah, so like I started, you know, getting more involved in that group of people. Um, and over the last two years, I've been a lot more into it. And yeah, and then this last month since the Tetons has been like the most I've ever had of constant people in bands. I definitely have normally been, like, on my own or maybe around one other person. So how does that feel to be, like, super integrated with the community? It's great. I love it. Like, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing how, and I think we've all talked about this, how easily we all connect. And it might not just be, like, just because we live in bands, like, okay, is that really a big connection piece? But that spurts off in so many reasons. Like, why are you living in it? Oh, wow, we're living in the van for the same reason. Oh, we also have these same hobbies. Oh, we all do this activity and like each person has a few of these like important traits not just like top level traits or surface mm -hmm. level traits with the like small talk and stuff like oh is it gonna rain today what are you it's doing like, next weekend yeah it's everybody like, is the weekend right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. like we have yeah we've got the same schedule yeah. we've got the same idea and um yeah ideas about mm -hmm. life and mm -hmm. i think love and success and 
troubled sadness we can talk about that openly like mm-hmm. I've never talked so deeply about stuff mm-hmm. like I have in geez, the last like 20 minutes mm-hmm. then you know I have even with some of my closest friends I've known for like 10 years um, so I, and I think it's that trust that we all yeah have like had a rough path to bring us to where we are mm-hmm. even if you haven't had a rough past there's something that's made you mm-hmm. fuel to do something like this so mm-hmm. puts you in a common area yeah, I totally agree, and I think I get a lot of outsider questions about, like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, like what is this? And mm-hmm. this is where this whole, like, well, one of the reasons why this whole podcast came into fruition, like, what is this essence, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think that you're, you're nailing it, where it's, we, we have these core beliefs mm-hmm. that relate. Yeah. And when it boils down to, when it boils down to anything it's the core beliefs that matter yeah right like you said love and success and being under your comfort zone and Mm -hmm. and uh it's just so neat because i feel like everybody lives in a van has an epic story Mm -hmm. that's that's what i've come to know and so that epic story has helped you grow into the person you are Mm -hmm. and the person you're meeting and showing up as yeah and that's where we meet yeah, it's exactly. so, so rad. I think that that's like, you just summed it up perfectly. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And we all definitely peed in jugs before, so. Totally. And pooped in a hole. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good common threshold. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, where's your pee jug? <laughs> like, don't look under there. <laughs> so it just, like, breaks the ice like that. Yeah. So I'm like, what do you do for a living? Yeah. Fucking who cares? Yeah, it's like, where do you pee? <laughs> like, I want to see your bathroom. Like, that's yeah. an exciting question. Uh, when you walk in someone's house, it's like, where's your bathroom so I can pee in a van yeah. you're like looking around for the pee jug or a little weird compost toilet and yeah. seeing how people shower and all the different creative ideas and yeah just mm. I like the rawness um mm. that you get with this lifestyle and I'm a very raw person and talk about pooping and mm. peeing and all of the dirty things all the time so that's my favorite is people on social media that's what Mm. they all want to know where do you go to the bathroom Mm. I'm like I don't think I've ever been asked so much in my life where I go to the bathroom like I never got asked in high school so Lynn where do you go to the bathroom totally yeah in the the toilet I don't know like why are you asking me is it that interesting Mm. so I think it's it's so funny that that's Mm. such a common thing that people want to know where I'm taking your shit wow (laughs) so if you look back if we go back three years and we, we meet you three years ago. Mm-hmm. Time travel machine. Yes. Spaceship. <laughs> what kind of things do you think you would tell yourself back then? What would I now tell myself then? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, one, I probably wouldn't listen because I was like, didn't believe anything. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, like no matter what was said to me, I was very, it had that like black screen over my eyes. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it would be. I was in, like, a really heavy cycle of, like, why keep, why keep living? Because even if there's good things, there's still going to be bad. And how much Mm. more bad can I handle? And is it really worth it? Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I just kind of felt like life wasn't, yeah, worth living, that classic feeling. Um, So I think, yeah, I would say, like, or also that I was, like, feeling content and not, I couldn't feel Mm -hmm. anything other than content. And I think I would tell myself now that, like, happiness Mm -hmm. is achievable um and that it's Mm -hmm. real and raw and that tell myself that I'm gonna start crying all the time in a good way and laughing and being angry and I will feel all the emotions I thought I would never feel feel again Mm -hmm. um because that was really big I definitely just really never believed that I would ever have um 
that like I had passions but they were gray you know like they weren't I was just blinded by you know all of that so yeah I think I would tell myself that yeah good for you you started you really you hacked into that feeling thing in your body <laughs> I got it hacked into it and sometimes it's really intense but that's good because yeah I'll take that any day over being numb and what would you tell people who are considering this lifestyle and maybe have listened to you in this whole journey or somebody else and they're still a bit too scared to do it. Yeah. What would you tell them? Um, I would say, and I do say to people who ask me this quite often, is um, try doing it for a weekend. Like, don't you don't have to just jump in it and go like mm -hmm. I did or some people do. Um, you can, you know, buy a van, take some time, outfit it out, take it on a three-day weekend, mm -hmm. then maybe take it on a week trip and then a two-week trip because that's kind of what I did. You know, I was mm -hmm. driving my Yaris for like two weeks at a time, weekends at a time. I drove, I, we did camping trips as a kid all the time, so, like, I was really conditioned to living in a small space. Yeah. I had already known that, and I felt really comfortable with moving around. Mm -hmm. So if you feel scared about, like, moving around and not having stability and living in a small space, all these mm -hmm. things, just take it slow. Like, you, yeah, just a weekend here and there, and if you feel on top of the world mm -hmm. and it's amazing, then dive in, you know? Mm -hmm. And if, or not, just fucking dive in, because that's another way to do it, and I fully support that. But... Yeah, I don't. I think like we take such we take things and we're like again like have to do it hundred percent. And if I don't, I'm failing, mm -hmm. and that's not true. You can mm -hmm. dip your toe in and then your foot and then jump in. <laughs> yeah, dive head first. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you can go head first too, but for the people yeah. who are really scared, yeah, sometimes I don't like diving. Totally, that was beautiful. It was sort yeah. of well said. Oh, You're such a gentle being, you. <laughs> oh, gosh, it'd be so interesting, like. Um, cause I'm meeting you in your glory, right? Like I'm meeting you here, yeah. meeting you right here. Yeah. And it must be, Oh, uh, I was, you meeting me three years ago was a different person. Like very, very different. Like, I tell that to Connor all the time, my boyfriend, yeah. cause he met me when I was like after a year of just really feeling myself mm -hmm. and being single and mm -hmm. working on myself. And I just, I have 180 and that, you know, two years after school. The, like one year of living on the road and he he honestly like it's hard for him to comprehend because he's like you're just so happy and yeah light and giggly and yeah Silly. and then he sees photos of me gothic and yeah. punk and oh yeah you are oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> black lipstick full white face makeup eyeliner parachute pants a whole shebang i've got some old myspace photos to prove it oh my gosh i bet you do but yeah, yeah. so and then my little dark poetry which i still write but mm. yeah definitely i've got some evidence of the times which uh, stimulates a lot of emotion in me um as i sit here <laughs> i just feel this such tenderness and sort of hope that like things really do change for people and mm -hmm. it, it does get better mm -hmm. and there's so many people suffering mm -hmm. there's so many people suffering that and i think like the it, things do get better mm -hmm. like again that's something I wouldn't have wanted to hear yeah it's so hard because like when you're in a really really dark place mm -hmm. people on the other side saying it's gonna get better mm -hmm. like da, da, da. it's like fuck you mm -hmm. like no it's not and that's like the worst thing you know if anything mm -hmm. it digs you deeper because you're like right. they're there but I'm never gonna get there or I don't believe them right. you beat yourself up you just don't believe it mm -hmm. and it's it's a cycle it's a whole you just there's no bottom you just keep going um and so yeah it's really hard mm -hmm. that's why I think like with my mental health um creature cards mm -hmm. is like I'm not trying to cure anyone or tell mm -hmm. anyone like everything's gonna be great mm -hmm. the thing is that like 
each demon you have, mm-hmm. and this is actually what I was talking about at the mental health talk, was mm. think of your demons like anxiety, depression, trauma, um, self-hate, jealousy, all of these things that all of us have as a pet, mm. as like this little demon creature pet that's sitting on you or sitting next to you, and so that it's something that you feed, and you can either feed it negative or you can feed it positive. And when you feed your depression with more negativity and spirals, it's going to get bigger and it's going to get heavier and it's going to engulf you, but it's still something else. It's not you. It's something that is um, next to you or just holding on to you. Because um, I think a lot of people like want to label themselves, well, I'm depressed. That means I am my depression mm-hmm. or I am my anxiety. I can't go out because I'm anxious and I am that. But I see it more as, um, you know, you have that little anxiety bat flapping around your head and you can knock it the fuck down. It's possible, but it's always going to be there. Like, I'll probably always have depression, um, Mm -hmm. but at least I can feed the slug and make it a happy slug Mm -hmm. and a cute little green slug and not a black, gooey, dark, scary one. So you would recommend then trying to feed those guys happiness? Like, but is that, I'm just curious, is saying, like, I know what you mean about saying it's going to get better. Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, fuck, here we go again. But like, so what other ways can you feed them happiness then? So like, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I, well, again, like with my cards, is that like one word association, like breaking okay. it down really simple. Because um, again, when you're on all these dark things, everything's really overwhelming. You've got like all these things that you have to do to get better, medication and exercising and yoga mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. journaling and all the shit people are telling you to do. But I think breaking it down to like that one word, like mm-hmm. depression, growth. Well, do you want to grow? Do you want to get out of this hole? you have this other green little slug with little flowers on it rather than this. And it's so much better if you can see what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Talking about it does not help as much like as the visual, but, um, yeah, like you, there's, it is kind of going along the lines of, yes, there's mm-hmm. a better side, but it's saying it's keeping that idea that like, there's still the slug. Yeah. It's, it's that's right. Not, everything's going to be perfect. No, nothing will ever be perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All cherries and butterflies and lollipops. Like, you're still going to have the slug. You're still going to have the anxiety monster. You're still going to have trauma. You're going to have that repressed little girl or boy Mm. in you. But at least you can make that creature or demon, um, like, livable and, like, live with you um, in peace and learn from it and grow from it. And another thing that I mentioned in my talk was something that helped me a lot was repeating uh, the phrase, become the strongest person you know. Uh, so like, and which was inspired by my sister telling me like all she had, I was living with her through a lot of really hard stuff. And she told me like, you are seriously the strongest person I know you've gone through hell and back and the things that you've been through, but you just bounce right. But like, it seems like you bounce right back and like, I get back into it. I keep going to school. I keep doing things. And she, yeah, she just told me that and it was really inspiring. And so whenever I was in my darkest spots and just didn't want to, you know, keep going I'm just telling myself be the strongest person you know because then in the future I can help others yeah so I think that's a good mantra that for anybody to have like be the strongest person you know you don't Mm -hmm. have to be like someone else could be stronger than you but at least you know that you're being the strongest you can Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then it makes you pretty badass yeah (laughs) it sure as hell does thank you so much yeah do you have any questions for me before we wrap up here? Oh, man. Well, this will be another hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just curious if there's uh, anything that's well, coming Well, I want to know, like, why you started living in a van. Mm. Oh, dear. Why did I ask this? <laughs> um, oh, yes. Uh, long story short, I drove down the Oregon coast, or mm-hmm. Oregon-Washington coast, with my friend who had the exact same van as mine, but 
a year younger. Mm-hmm. So in 82 Westphalia. And um, the only 10 days. Mm-hmm. The community I experienced through that mm-hmm. blew me out of the fucking water. And mm-hmm. again, like most people have heard me say, I'm from a tiny, small island. Yeah. So for me to feel that is, takes a lot. Yeah. And it was just like from the Avan Alert app or something. And mm-hmm. we'd stay at people's houses mm-hmm. in their driveway. Yeah. And the compassion, the kindness, the patience, the things that they would teach me and offer mm-hmm. me were just way too big to ignore. Yeah. So as we were driving home, I would sit in the uh, passenger seat and I would look behind me. So I'd be looking at this, mm-hmm. like my back, yeah. and I would manifest. Like I would be like, I would picture my exact van. Mm-hmm. I kept, I would look back and imagine what it would feel like to mm-hmm. sit in there and lie in there in all the places I could go. And shit you not, <laughs> sure enough, ended up with the exact same colors. The year uh newer does yeah. that make sense yeah near newer mm-hmm. and here i am three yeah. years later coming up in august yeah damn so yeah that's why it's just uh-huh. like i'm still to this day um baffled by the community yeah. i'm still experiencing like more like just when i feel as if my heart can't get any fuller mm-hmm. it does it's, know, it's a little overwhelming Clarissa and i were saying how uh i was asking she lives in like a fog the other day and she mm-hmm. goes i think i'm just trying to process the last month because it's been a lot in a really good way, but it's just so much has happened and going on and conversations and crying and laughing and dancing and it's just, it's overwhelming. Like, you can't complain. It's amazing. But it definitely takes you a second to be like, oh my gosh, like, can this keep going? Yeah, it can. Yeah, like, it can. Yeah, yeah. Just keep doing it. And that's actually another good thing, like, I'm just going to say to finish this off here is even when things are going good mm-hmm. for me, I continue to keep, feed the positivity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you don't just stop there. It's like, okay, like, it's allowing myself to actually be able to feel all this love. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes there's parts of me where I'm like, oh, I don't deserve this, or this is too good to be true. But it's like, fuck no, like, mm-hmm. I'm out here, and, like, we all deserve this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, just keep feeding that and taking it one step at a time, because it, like, fuck, yeah. it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, it feels good. Fuck, it feels good. The end. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Right. Thanks for having me. Love you, sister. Love you, too. Good luck. Chill down here. Who the is calling? <laughs> this is Who is that? Like, calling my phone, babe. Is this the most interrupted podcast Something you've had? Something at Gmail. Someone would like to face them. Who? What is going what on with your podcast? What is happening? Oh, it's my dad. Hi, dad. Oh, my God. There you are. Hi, daddy. <laughs> I I'm right in the middle of doing a podcast, Dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there? Some... Yeah, I'm right here. Yeah, my podcast yesterday, and oh, there was just so much talking on it that I just, I got bored instantly. Let's just see a little bit more or something. It was just, I could just hear your voice and his voice. And yeah. That's boring, man. Um, you know, you, you want to hear, you want to see something too. You want to, you know, I mean, something other than just, um, yes, 14,000 feet and stuff. And it's just voices. It was from yesterday. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I'm not trying to be negative or anything. Yeah. <laughs> but it's got to be something more to me than just voices. Yeah. Well, first of all, Dad, uh, have you ever listened to a podcast yeah, before? That's what a podcast uh, I, is. I, I, Oh. Yes, that's what I understand. But anyway... I, I, th- I, I don't get it. But, uh, yeah, that's fine. You're, you're a dinosaur, Dad. Of course you don't get it. I know, yeah. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> but anyway, Dad, thanks for your input. And just so you know, I've started recording them. So they're going on YouTube so you can watch the video as well. 
Oh, well, that would be interesting. 